0: You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs.
1: to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Thanks for joining. Uh, I'm going to be joined in a couple seconds by Joe Pano again. He's becoming a regular contributor to the podcast, which I appreciate. Tonight, we're going to be talking about defenses. It's based off an article I did on uh, football diehards. I am not a natural writer. I admit that right from the start. I'm actually thinking about taking some classes. But I did put some thoughts down on defenses and how to draft them in MFL 10s that I think will be helpful to anyone who's like me and would probably rather listen than read something. And it'll be fun to get Joe's thoughts on what I wrote as well. But if you want to go to Football Diehards, and look up the article. The way to find it is to go to um, the main page, and then under Resources, you go down and you find Diehard set, uh, Staff. You find my, uh, my my picture if it doesn't uh, you know melt your computer screen, and then you'll go in and you'll find the article on drafting MFL tens and and uh, defenses. And uh, without much further ado, Joe, how you doing tonight? Doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. I'm a Why do you blech, tell the folks at
0: home. Yeah, you said Sorry. you
1: had a flash flood.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm drying off right now. Uh, I'm having a beer, I'm drying off. Because, uh, yeah, was, we had a crazy flash flood. I was in traffic for about two hours. And by traffic, I mean I was pretty much floating my Oregon Trail uh, wagon across the river uh, trying to make it home. So, But I, I'm here. I'm here and I'm uh, I got a beer
1: so I'm good. Well, the good the good news is we're do, both doing a lot better than Jeremy Maclin today. That's true, very true. Um I, I that one caught me by surprise. Um how about you? Well, you know, I hadn't had much time to uh, digest
0: that news, but yeah, it caught me off guard. I was uh I kind of caught a glimpse of it and I saw people talking about it on Twitter and you know, I uh some of my early uh, MFL 10 Jeremy Macklin shares are shower crying right now.
1: Well, I, I, again, it, 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 you know, everyone can overreact. I mean, he's going to sign somewhere. It's just a matter of how quickly and what role you, we think he can get. I mean, if he ends up in a place like Baltimore, we, you know, those shares might even be worth more. Um, but what I wanted to kind of talk on a little bit was how gangster is Andy Reid? You go to the guy's wedding two weeks ago. Now, in the back of your mind, when you go to this guy's wedding, the whole time you're thinking you're there, you've got to be thinking that you're going to cut this guy. And, like, what's the move, right? You're, you know you're going to cut him, you know, you got, but it's like, well, I can't cut him before the wedding, and then, well, I can't cut them like, right after the wedding. That just won't look good. Um, so you, you wait two weeks, and then you cut them. So I think that's pretty gangster. How about you?
0: He's a thug, man. He's a thug. No, I didn't even know that, honestly. I'm just kind of getting getting into the news. I, I didn't even know the story.
1: So, uh, yeah, that is pretty thuggish. <laughs> you go, I mean, that's, that. you know, it takes a special kind of person to go to someone's wedding. And, and you know, I guess the envelope that Andy gave him was probably a little thicker. Jeremy was like, man, Andy really took care of me
0: because <laughs> <That laughs> he knew man. you were
1: going to be unemployed in two weeks. You got to watch out for that Walrus. <laughs> he, You know, I saw a picture of him about, you know, when he was first coming up and coaching. He was a good looking guy. He was thin, had the mustache. I was like, that's Andy Reid. Oh, my gosh. So I've had a lot more – I've put a lot more thought into Andy Reid over the last uh, week probably than I have over Andy Reid in quite some time. Um, You know, Twitter's already, you know, going back and forth, as Twitter does, about how this will shake out uh, with the rest of the Chiefs. And I know we didn't plan for this, but – I will mention to the people who are out there, someone on Twitter, um, a few people mentioned that Kelsey had his best games when Macklin was hurt last year. So it probably boosts Kelsey and it probably boosts uh, Tyreek Hill. And I have, uh, I think Tyreek Hill is like the only guy in the top six rounds who I have zero shares of. Man, I got a ton of Tyreek Hill. I think he's. You've got to be uh, feeling pretty good then.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess I am. Uh, thank you. I so I think he's my, my let's see. He's probably like my top one of my in my top
1: 5 of What receivers. was the thought of, you know, what was your thought in putting him up so high? You know, why were you so high on him um earlier? Well, I I think I would say a good portion of of
0: those shares are early on, you know, in the in my uh when I was really drafting pretty heavy, heavily and things like that, I, you know, pre-draft, I was kind of, you know, specu- speculating that some of the touchdown regression that people were, you know, talking about how efficient he was, you know, I was thinking would maybe level out with a little bit more involvement in the offense, um, you know, getting a little bit, still getting some r- rushing work and stuff like that. Like, I mean, he's a dynamic talent. Um, Andy Reed, had, you know, kind of made some comments later on about getting him more involved and, in, you know, in the slot and uh, getting more involved in the offense and things like that. And I just figured Jamal Charles is going to be out. So, you know, you probably want to get a more dynamic, you know, Jamal, Jamal Charles like athlete on the field more, um, you know, and it's the second year. So I don't know. I just, to me, it made sense. It didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have a problem with drafting him, uh, you know, in the late fifth, early sixth round stuff like that. So, I mean, I slowed down a little bit with him um but yeah he's probably in my top 5 top 6 uh, receivers and now his price is even cheaper so I mean you can get him in like the mid 6 sometimes 7th round so I'm I'm fine with un- that. am n-
1: not not unless you draft him tonight you know you come up right, on the clock right. and he's still there if you right. if you if you don't get him tonight I imagine he'll be in the 4th round before we know it my and thought I mean, about him great. was my thought about uh, was, him was this And I I just felt like that he was a guy who – he's not a big guy. And dynamic guys like that, you know, I I just have a, a hard time spending an early draft pick on smaller guys like that. So that was part of it. Part of it was just the whole offense is kind of sluggish. And, uh, but I do think they'll manufacture touches for him. And if he's playing, he will get the targets and he can do big things with them. So, my, my, I, I've got a little bit of a knot in my stomach right now that I, I didn't take any Tyreek. I got to be honest. Hey, I'm, I'm
0: uh, happy to, uh, to be your shoulder to cry on, Todd, with 1D. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but you know the thing about him is last thing about him is this is best ball, man. This is what we're talking about. We're looking for guys that are going to put up those big weeks. We're not, you know, I wouldn't feel as comfortable with him in you know, in uh, you know, in a week to week basis. I mean, yeah, I would now that Macklin's gone too. But still, I mean, this is best ball. Where I mean, he's perfect for best ball.
1: I don't get the the hesitation. No, I, I well, again, it's not it's not only who is he, you know. I can get a lot of good best ball, you know, the guy who might give you three twenty 20-point weeks, I can get that for you, you know, I can get that later. I mean, when you look at where Tyreek Hill is going, um, Martavis Bryant is going two picks later, and I've got a pretty good amount of Martavis. I would say that I probably – I'm going to look real quick. But Martavis – so I guess my my point is if I'm going to – take a risk you know a guy like martavis i think gives you all the upside with you know the ability to do it on a regular basis you know with his size i, I own 15 percent of martavis i wish it was a little bit more let's see if i snuck in i snuck in one hill share out of 65 so far so uh I think I'm the the
0: opposite with you. I think I I barely have any Bryant, and I'm feeling,
1: you know, a little bit squeamish about that. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, uh, one of my big focuses from my earlier article, which I don't think we'll probably have time to cover now. Maybe we'll do that on another episode um, on supercharging your MFL 10s. You know, I haven't been – I've been too risk averse. And so this year most guys that have that big upside but have risk I'm taking, you know, 10 to 15% of because I don't want to miss out. And of course, the one that I didn't was Tyreek Hill. So, um let's 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 pivot off of that discussion, but it was topical. I thought it was good that we get into it a little bit. Um we're going to dig into defenses, and in my article I kind of made the point that defenses, everyone hates taking defenses. I, I I think when you get to that like seventeenth round of a of an MFL ten, you you almost get a little depressed when you come up on the clock because it's like oh I got to pick a defense. Do you do you, do you kind of get that feeling too?
0: You know I, I have mixed emotions. I love defenses. I love like analyzing defenses and uh, but at the same time I, I like you said I hate taking them. Um, I really, on rare occasion, will take anything. I mean, seventeenth round, I think, is the uh, earliest I, I'll go. I, I think, you know, kind of uh, going back to Tyree Kill, I think you can make a case, you know, to take the Chiefs and and things like that with uh, having Tyree Kill, um, you know, there to return kicks as well. It Certainly helps out. But but man, there's so many guys that I'm I'm looking to take and fill out my rosters um, in those, you know. 12, 13, 14, 15th round that I'm just not willing to uh, to do that. I I feel very comfortable with
1: my ability to find defenses that are left behind. So that's kind of how I roll. Yeah, I've had a lot of success. You know, as much as it's kind of boring, I guess almost boring. You know, it's fun to look for running backs and wide receivers. It's kind of boring to take defenses. You know, it's like taking your medicine. It's like you know it's good for you. You know you need it. But you really would prefer, you know, like if they got rid of defenses tomorrow, I think a lot of people who do MFL 10s would be perfectly content. I've been pretty good with defenses two years ago. See, I'm willing to draft defenses in the 16th round if I think I'm getting an edge. Uh, Two years ago, I had a good bit of um, Denver's defense, and you could get them in the 16th round. Last year, the Vikings – were my kind of target in that 16th round. Um, But I wanted to – kind of how I got on this path of really analyzing everything happened when I started looking into defenses. And I found something that was really very interesting, and it was we all know that you don't want to take a defense earlier than the – you know, we can argue 16th round or 15th round – but you'll see guys taking defenses in the 12th, 13th, and 14th, and 15th round. I mean, you agree with me, Joe. That's too early, correct? Yeah, I just I can't do that. Yeah, definitely not. There's there's so many other players to uh, to fill out right there. Yeah, your opportunity cost. And the truth is the defenses are very volatile. There's been a lot of studies out there about how, you know, taking defenses – that were the big defense the year before doesn't mean you're going to get a big defense uh, this year. And if you look at my article, I did a chart. And in the chart, pretty much, uh, and I'll read you a, com- a couple of them. So the Chiefs were the best defense in 16, but they were fourth and 15th. The Vikings were second, they had been eighth. The Broncos were third, they were second. But after that, the Eagles jumped from 11 to 4. The Giants from 15 to 5. The Panthers went back from 3 to 6. The Ravens uh, came up from 21st to 7th. You move down a couple picks. The Chargers were a top 10 defense. They were 29th the year before. The Dolphins were not far behind. They were 27. They were. They jumped from 27th to 12th. So that was the first thing that I I just kind of wanted to prove the premise to the people who read the article. You know, this is why you don't draft because defenses are so volatile, but what I found next, go ahead. Oh, I apologize. I I was just going to interject
0: that. I think right there is the, the bigger point is that I feel like it's a lack of attention to detail with, the community I don't think that many people put the amount of effort into looking at the defensive roster the you know the add the additions in free agency and things that you're going to tell, talk about later defensive uh, coordinator changes and things like that you know the draft uh, draft picks and things uh, you can you can kind of get a feel for what defense is going to improve like last year I was all over the Chargers defense I don't know what people like why people didn't like them but people were like I mean I'm I'm a no name guy on Twitter you know like but I'm talking to some people and they're just thinking I'm crazy about the Chargers defense. I'm like, "Man, they got really good cornerbacks and they got, you know, Joey Bosa coming in and they have some good pieces." So, taking them as your last defense, there's going to be some equity there. There's too much to like and people just don't really pay attention. They just look at the last year's stats and just say, "Well, they they just have a shitty defense." Sorry.
1: Yeah, and and that's a good point. You're right. We'll cover that a little bit, Um, building the case here. uh, So we we all agree, I think everyone agrees, that there's a ton of volatility in picking defenses. And so I wanted to kind of do – it was only a two-year analysis because that's the only information I got that my fantasy league gives you, and I wanted to stick to MFO 10s. But I found a couple very interesting things about volatility. Um, and I did a research on the 20-point uh, weeks. You know, if you get a 20-point week out of a defense in an MFL 10, I mean, that's a way to really gain. You know, y- your opponent might have, like, one defense with three points and another with six points. You know, if you have a 20-point week, you've gained 14, 14 points. That, that's pretty significant so defenses can definitely be a weapon so i did an analysis of the 20 point weeks and i found out something very interesting which is in the article which is in 2015 14 of the 26 20 point weeks were in the top 16 and in 2016 it was 10 of 18 So 54% one year, 56% the next of the 20 point weeks were in the top six teams. Well, there's 32 teams, so 55% versus 18. And that got me into kind of the next thought well, if, you know, what makes a 20 point week, right? And off the top of your head, Joe, you know, how do you get a 20-point week out of a defense?
0: Yeah, I mean, returning for a touchdown, kick return for a touchdown, interception, you know, fumble,
1: turnovers.
0: But you're going to need a touchdown.
1: Or two. Yeah. You know, and and so since touchdowns are what drive this, I think that we can do an analysis of different ways that teams are more likely or less likely to get touchdowns. And the first one I came up with was winning teams. Over the last two seasons, the top six teams that I studied that had the the 20-point weeks, they averaged 10 wins a season and winning teams are much better in much better position late in games to get those interceptions because the 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 losing team is one dimensional trying to pass to catch up i mean that makes sense right right absolutely so I, when I mean, you pick defenses do you consider if a team is you if you think a team is going to be a winning team or not
0: Absolutely. I mean, you're going to look at uh, that's one of the things you're going to look at, especially, um, you know, sometimes those those teams don't always have the best defense, like right out of the gate, like, say, Green Bay. Uh, but when you're picking them as like maybe you you know, eight nineteenth 19th round defense or whatever, they're kind of attractive because if they're up by, you know, 17 points in the fourth quarter and they're playing, you know, a, a rookie quarterback or you know, uh, they're going to be forcing it down the field and pick six. And, you know, that's – I mean, in DFS, that's what you're looking for. I'm a DFS guy, and you're looking for the point spread. And uh, if you can get a, you know, a double-digit point spread, you know that the defense is probably going to have a good chance at a pick six. You know, like that's why I think the Patriots are pretty valuable, um, you know, teams like that that are going to be up and have good corners and have good pass rush. So, yeah, definitely you gotta you got to consider that
1: for sure. And then, obviously, you know, there are some guys who traditionally are very good at getting interceptions. You know, if you've got a team that's a winning team and they've got some good intercepting defensive backs, that's good. But the other thing that really jumped out at me is, you know, obviously we say return men. But Tyreek Hill is a perfect example. He had three touchdowns on returns last year. Those 18 points made up 10% of all the Chiefs' defensive points for 2016. And that's what, you know, that, those three is a big part of why they ended up the number one defense. So focusing on return men and return men who can break touchdowns I think is important. One guy, one rookie who jumped out at me a little bit, who I think is going to be a returner out of the gate, is Carlos Henderson with Denver. Denver's already a good defense, and um, that was one rookie I thought of. But it doesn't have to be a rookie. Uh, I, you already kind of sent this to me, and I'll let you say his name, because that's been my, the defense I've been on a lot of, of my late MFL 10s. But... Um, are there any return men who have moved from to a different team that you've got your eye on? Yeah, um, there's, you know, there's a couple, but I think the
0: obvious one like you, like you were alluding to was, uh, you know, Cordero Patterson with the, the Raiders. I think, you know, the price has got to be right. Like you got to match the price with, you know, the return game. I, I think the Raiders defense for sure is, is improving. Um, you know, they've added some really good pieces um, last year and then this year as well. Uh, and Cordell Patterson is, is a, really the, the icing on the cake because, man, he's electric with a ball in his hands. We, we all know that he could have a Tyreek Hill-like, you know, impact on the return game, I and mean, he's done it before. So, I mean, that's a very attractive defense. Um, I don't have a ton of the Raiders, not because I don't like them, but because I'm usually taking, like, the Jaguars when I can um, in, like, the 17th round or the Ravens in the 18th round. Um, but – the Raiders
1: are a very strong, you know, they're going to have some big weeks, I think. Yeah, no, I I was on the Raiders last year, and, you know, I, I hadn't started out hot on them, and, you know, I was mixing them in a little bit. Um, but then you look at, you know, adding Patterson, and then the other thought that came to me, and I think there's one other team that kind of fits into this mold, and it's the Jaguars, you know, a lot of times we are on teams to get better and defenses to get better for the right reasons, but it doesn't happen the year that we expect it to, and because it didn't happen the year we expected it to, we, you know, it's human nature to get off of a team that didn't perform, you know, you drafted a good bit of, and they underperformed, Um, you know, it's easy to want to get off them, but the You know, both the Raiders and the Jaguars have a tremendous amount of good young talent. And I'm up to 12% on the Raiders, and I've got 15% of the Jaguars. Uh, I think both teams have key signings. Um, One for the Jaguars I'm really high on is Calais Campbell. And just the changeover with Coughlin, I, 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 I think that the, I think this might be the year that the Jaguars actually take that step up. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy
0: at all. Uh, last year, you know, we can throw that last year thing out the window. I mean, they did add some pieces, and, and I was optimistic about, about them um, last year to an extent. But, man, let's talk about their defense this year. I mean, Calais Campbell, you nailed it. Is a game wrecker. You're putting them next to, you know, Malik Jackson and uh, Sheldon Day, and um, you know Dante Fowler is going to be coming in again this year. And that that's just that's just the D line. But man, their corners are just Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye. Man, those two together are elite combo. Plus that defensive line. Oh my god! I seriously, they they're kind of like Broncos esque. You know, if you look at their their uh, roster. Plus they got miles Jack and Kevin, Kevin Smith's pretty good too. And so, I mean, they, they have a really strong, really strong. And I don't think anybody's really giving them enough credit. I mean, I'm taking them as often as I can. Uh,
1: the only thing about them is that they're Can offense, I interject probably, for a second?
0: Of course. Go ahead. Can I
1: interject just for a quick sec? Uh, I no actually word. know AJ, AJ Bowie's brother. Is that right? Yeah. Baba. Baba.
0: All right. Oh, Baba Boo. Boo, Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Throwing in a little joke there. Okay. A little slow, Todd with 1D. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Give me throwing these curveballs at me, Todd with 1D. But, uh, Uh, no, yeah. Baba Booie. Back to a regular schedule program. There you go. Uh, throwing me off my game. I already had this, uh, this flash flood. Now I got to worry, you know, start thinking about your jokes. I got to be on my, my toes, man. Good thing I got my beer. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, Jacksonville's defense is, is lights out. I am very confident in that. But the uh, only thing is, is they're going to sl- probably slow the game down a little bit, which is going to be a lot of close games. Um, you know, obviously trying to take the ball out of Bortles' hands a little bit, run the ball to Fortnette. Um, so I think that they'll there will be a lot of close, low-scoring games for Jacksonville. I think that would probably be their preference so i don't necessarily see the the what we were talking about earlier with like say you know a high scoring team like you know i don't see see that working in their favor but still a lot of pressure a lot of uh, low scoring games you know sacks interceptions things like that so
1: i'm very high on the jags yeah they're they're being drafted as the 10th defense off the board at pick uh 204 so you know what's that uh 12 goes and I always do this wrong. Well, it's... it's uh, I mean, who do you like more than the Jags? That's my question. It's like, what defenses so would I'm, you take? I can tell you, I'll, I'll read you my exposure on defenses. My number one exposure by far is Tampa Bay. They were rated very, very highly last year, and they're cheap. I, I mean, you know... Oh, yeah, average, I'm down with Tampa Bay. Yeah, my number two is Buffalo. Buffalo is – you can sometimes get Buffalo in the 20th round, and I I still think there's enough good parts there. My third one is Philadelphia. They were a top defense last year, and uh, they got a lot of talent. And, again, and then Jacksonville, Atlanta, Oakland, and Arizona are my next ones. And the one that I'm really high on that I've been picking up a lot of lately is the Rams.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm,
1: I mean, I'm fine with all those. I guess my point is
0: just, I can't, I I really am having a hard time thinking about a a defense that's better than Jacksonville. Like, you know
1: what I mean? I, I, I think it's a great defense, but you, you made the other point and we'll get back to the points in the article is that they, you know, I don't think they have a big return guy and I don't know that they're even if they're in the lead. I don't know that they'll be in the you know let, let's say, you know you can go ten and six and not win games by more than seven points in the NFL. So even if they win, I don't see them being that fourteen point lead. But I like them as my second defense. Um, but sometimes I'll take them as the first. Um, you know, I, I you mentioned key player movement. That's the other thing to keep an eye on. Uh, Joey Bosa really helped turn around the Chargers last year. The Giants' big move uh, up the charts was followed by them signing three big free agents. So you know, keep an eye, keep keep a, a, a look out on the big player moves. You can always get depth depth charts now. You can get pretty much everywhere, but I still go to our lads because uh, Dan Shanka is a great guy, and he was the first one to really start performing that service and they do it well. And the next point is coordinator or head coaching changes. And the one that I, you know, like I mentioned the Rams, but you know, Wade Phillips was gold for me in Denver two years ago. Wade Phillips is just, he's one of those guys who always gets the most out of his talent. The Rams have talent And, you know, again, you know, I don't need to spend up for a defense because between the Jags, the Raiders, and the Rams, I feel like, man, I got three really good defenses that I can get and the Eagles that I can get in the 18th and 19th round. Um, Are there any uh, big other defensive coordinator moves that you are on top of? Um, Honestly
0: you know, with, with, with any new offensive coordinators, um, not as, not as much. I mean, the defenses that I'm, that I'm on, um, don't really have like a new defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm definitely usually, um, interested in that, but like, I don't know. I'm interested in the Rams. Like you said, I love Wade Phillips. And, um, I just, I don't know if that's going to be a quick adjustment, man, with a three, four going to a three, four, um, man, e o l rules on Twitter is, is, my boy. And he kind of, you know, has some stats to back up the fact that Wade Phillips can turn around a, a defense from four, three to three, four pretty quickly. Um, but man, I have, I have a hard time with that. It's just enough to knock them down a little bit on my list. Um, I still, I still take them sometimes, but um, I'm still, I still prefer Baltimore and, you know, I don't know. I like, I like the Baltimore and, and the Chargers a, a greater deal than the, uh, the Rams.
1: Yeah, I need to be on the Chargers more. My one concern is that Aaron Donald is such a prototypical um, disruptor um, as in his natural position as defensive tackle. I believe they're going to make him a 3-4 end, and, and I just don't know that what he does is going to... You know, his big thing is that he's so quick. That he can get around you into the quarterback before you know you even know what happens, uh, but he's undersized, and now he's going to be dealing with these big tackles and with you know and with a three four you're going to end up being double teamed a lot, so I wonder if it's going to take a little bit of the wind out of Aaron Donald's sails. Yeah, I
0: think he'll be fine. I mean, he's a he's dominant, but yeah, I I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, Todd, is why is nobody giving any love to Baltimore um, at all? Like, I don't hear anybody talking about the Ravens' defense. Man, they they added some nice pieces to an already solid group, but they, uh, I mean, their secondary is damn near elite. Now, I mean, they're they're pretty. I mean, they have a stout run run defense. They have a really good pass defense now with Jimmy Smith. They drafted uh who is it? Pump, Pumphrey. Um Pumphrey, Pumphrey and they had uh they signed Brandon Carr again. They have um and the best part is their, their safeties. They they signed TJ Jefferson um to go with uh Weddle. Um my boy uh Weddle, Eric Weddle. I mean that's a pretty amazing secondary right there.
1: And I don't, I don't you know, you, you make a good point, and I was on them a little bit more early. Um, the other thing that I I didn't it didn't make it into my article. And by the way, my my heart goes out to Dennis Pitta who got hurt again today with his hip. I I picked him up and did very well with him last year. I didn't have a lot of them this year, other than Dynasty, where I still owned them, but. You know, I I was picking them up in like the 26th round or st- stuff like that. But uh, before we jump off of Baltimore, I just want to talk about that. That that kind of sucks. Um, the one question I do have with the uh, the Ravens is their pass rush. Um, you know, Terrell Suggs is older. He's coming off a couple injuries. Brandon Williams is a very good player, but he's not a pass rushing threat. Same thing. C.J. Mosley, a really good player, but I don't see him as a. You know, right now I see the one. You know, their ends as, uh, you know, uh, Suggs and Brent Urban on the on the draft chart, and uh, neither one of them really jump out at me. Um, I, I don't know. Is Albert McClellan a good pass rusher? Maybe he is. I mean, I'm Tyus not aware Bowser,
0: They took. They took Tyus Bowser. Um, you know, I I, th- I think honestly their pass rush is their is their weakness. You know, that's the one. That's a fair criticism of them. And they they, they did a little bit to boost her a little bit, but um, when you have like you know, a fairly elite secondary or a very very good secondary, I'll try not to hyperbolize everything but you know they have a really good secondary so that can and a really stout run defense so those two things um can help their pass rush a little bit so they're not necessarily the elite defense but they're they're really good and I think that that they're being overlooked
1: yep the other thing that I I, it didn't make it into my article but something that I've I've been postulating on and I want to get your thought on it And uh, it it bears more study if I can, you know, find the time to do it. Uh, I did did some basic research, and I'll tell you the defense that I came up with. You know, we talk about interceptions, and I, I, I went and I looked at quarterback interceptions over the last two years. I averaged them out, you know, figuring that if you're playing quarterbacks that throw a lot of interceptions, you're obviously going to have a better chance of getting return touchdowns. And if you're in a division with a couple guys who throw a lot of interceptions, that's a big advantage, especially if you're a pretty good defense. And the one division that really jumped out at me as having a lot of interceptions and the team that could take advantage of it is the Cincinnati Bengals. Both as good as Ben is, he throws a lot of picks. Joe Flacco throws a lot of picks. And I, I, I can only guess that whoever is going to quarterback Cleveland this year is going to be right for throwing a lot of interceptions. That's six games where, you know, these quarterbacks average almost two interceptions a game. Um, you know, maybe more like one and a half. So that's the, that's the latest thing that I've been focusing on. And again, I do think it bears more study, but I would, I wish I was one of these numbers guys like Mike beers or fantasy H D H, uh, you know, who are really good with that kind of stuff, because I do think there's a way to plot predictive interceptions and run it through teams, full schedule and kind of get a, a an idea of what defenses might be the ones who get a lot of interceptions this year. Yeah. Um, just real
0: quick caveat. I needed to correct how terrible I am. So,
1: <laughs>
0: if you don't mind, Marlon Humphrey was the guy, was the draft pick I was trying to mention. And it, I think I said TJ Jefferson, Tony Jefferson. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm still waterlogged. I apologize to your listeners. I need another beer to uh,
1: to get this uh,
0: get this prepared. Well, I, uh, but, yeah.
1: one one could argue the one thing you don't need is another beer. Oh man, Todd, I do, man, I do. I'm only I'm only one and a half in. I, I'm just getting started. Ah, <laughs> uh, to be young, you know, I'm 54, mm-hmm. and I can go three four months without drinking a beer. Or having an alcohol and it's not that I don't like it, it's just that I'm old and tired and I just don't you know, and I'm a pretty happy guy. I know, it's about your bedtime. We need to get you to get you to bed here in a minute. Now I'm kidding.
0: Hey, it, 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 we're not,
1: get, we're getting close. The problem <laughs> with doing a podcast starting at nine o'clock is after I do a podcast I'm always wired. And right? but at least it's a Friday night if I stay up past my bedtime in my curfew and my backup curfew. <laughs> Then um, you know I won't have to pay for it too bad. But it's <laughs> funny because in the old days, you know, I'd stay up till two o'clock in the morning trying to make trades and just really working, you know, working to make trades in uh, my simulation leagues. And people would be like, "Are you still trying to make trades? It's two in the morning!" I'm like, "Well, you were <laughs> on instant message. <laughs> I, I don't man. have the energ- I don't have the
0: energy I used to, Joe." you are a wild man. Hey, so real real quick, I wanted to go back. You're talking about um, something I think correlated with uh, the Patriots. So the Patriots are in a division where I think you can take advantage of them. Their second half of their schedule is so cake. I mean, they play the Jets twice. They play the Bills twice. They play, you know, the Dolphins which, you know, they're not horrible, but I mean, they have a really cupcake division. They play the second half of their schedule is so so money. Um, they're, you know, going to be up in games so I think the the Patriots are going to be a defense you're going to want to look into and tap into because I think they're going to have some big weeks. Uh, plus yep. they have Stephen they added Steven Gilmore to already having Malcolm Butler, you know, and they have a pretty pretty decent defense to begin with, and you know they have a, you know pretty good
1: secondary. So
0: I, I think the Patriots are a team to target as well.
1: Yeah, and and they have an ADP of 187. When you look at Denver going at one fifty six, I mean I have zero Denver this year, um, and then KC and Houston are literally tied at one point one seventy one point eighteen, um, then Seattle and I don't get that defense. I know historically they're so good, but uh, I I don't see it as much, um, and then Minnesota. New England and then Arizona's a pretty good value also. I have a good bit of them at 189. My Giants are at 197. My my concern with the Giants is last year they had the cake of all cake schedules. And this year they've got one of the toughest schedules and I I just don't think that defense is going to be as good as it was last year. Any thoughts on the Giants? <laughs> I was real high on the Giants
0: last year. They were a good value. Um, you know, I, I I don't have any problems with it, with the Giants necessarily. Um, but I think that you know the NFC East is is, is pretty competitive. Um, I don't know. I they, they are somebody that I'm I'm looking at in that you know 18th round and stuff. But I do prefer you know the teams I mentioned before. You already know um, I prefer them. But the Giants, I'm I'm good with too. They have a good Run defense. Um, they lost Hankins though, right? So that kind of hurts. Uh, but yeah, they, they have a did. good, a good pass defense, good, good pass rush, good uh, run defense. So they're they're not bad either. They're somebody I'm taking as well, but not as high as the others.
1: Yeah, I, I I've got a few uh, a few shares, but not nearly as much as I would have. Um, all right. So the last subject on defense. And we kind of touched on it a little bit, but it's the 20th round. You, you, you either need a second defense or one, a third defense. Um, out, of those te- out of the teams that you regularly see in the last round, um, give, give me a couple names of defenses you're interested in and why. So I believe my highest
0: owned defense is actually the Tennessee Titans. They the Tennessee are...
1: Tuxedos? Yeah. Yeah.
0: The tuxedos, um, the Tennessee Titans are, are a team that I've, I've, uh, targeted in like the 20th round. Um, and I'm fine with that. I, I'm not, like I said, I don't usually target defenses. Sometimes, like I said, I, sometimes I only take one defense occasionally. I have a few of those, but I don't always recommend that it's occasionally uh, it's something I'm testing out, but you know, I, I won with it before. So, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, if you got a, a solid roster and, you know, you want to shoot for the Stars, why not? Um, no, but the Tennessee Titans defense is is a little bit underrated in my opinion. Uh, they have an underrated pass rush with Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo. Um, they have, you know, uh, Sylvester Williams signed as a nose tackle, and Darrell Casey is, is really an above average to really good uh, defensive lineman. He doesn't get enough credit. Um, and, the, you know, they added some pieces. They added Logan Ryan. Um, they added Sabrina's more, maybe like a run defense, but they have. I mean, the the Titans as a whole are getting better. Their game script is more is is positive. They're going to be kind of like they're not going to be anywhere close to the Jaguars defense. But what I'm saying is that they're going to have a lot of close games. They're going to be in a lot of good games, and I think that defense is good enough, especially for you know your last defense. I mean, I think they're better than a lot of the ones that are
1: going in the last uh,
0: you know couple rounds, and so. I'm I'm pretty good with the Titans.
1: Yeah, I I thought you know that's a defense. I agree with you. Um, I took them in a dynasty league uh, last year, and I I do think that they they're improving and they'll con- uh, continue to do it. Um, I I only I only have two shares of them out of sixty five. I mentioned Buffalo. I have a lot, and Cincinnati surprisingly is around in the twentieth round at times. Uh, Tampa, sometimes, but the one that I've kind of been focused on is the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins were a pretty good defense last year. They've got, you know, Cameron Wake and a bunch of, uh, you know, pretty good talent on that defense. Um, I'm trying to look for, did they? Yeah, they were the 12th ranked defense last year. And, you know, in the 20th round, if I can get 8.1 points per game that they gave me last year, uh, I'm pretty good with that. So that's, that's a team that I'll take sometimes in the 20th round. Um, so I think we've given the, the good folks out there some good options. And then the last discussion for our night is Joe. Are you a two-defense guy or a three-defense guy, or does it depend upon how your draft is going? I'm generally never a three-defensive
0: guy. I, I think I might have. I don't think I've taken a, a third defense at all this year. And I do have probably five one-defensive teams, um, just because I'm YOLO, Peno. You know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a two defense guy, maybe a one defense guy. I won the power hour league with one defense. I pride myself on that, even though it was not exactly intentional. I did intend at the end when I, you know, when I kind of knew what I was going up against, I decided to go for it. But no, I think, I think honestly, it depends on your draft. Definitely not
1: three defense. That's just my opinion. If
0: you're, if you're good at taking defenses, you shouldn't
1: need a third. Well, You know, it's funny. My first year doing this, I listened to the Fantasy Feast. Jason Rock Phelps was out, and he talked about how percentage-wise it was better to take three defenses. He also talked about how it's, you know, with bye weeks and things of that nature, it's better to take three defenses. And I thought about it recently, and, and again, we're trying to get those 20-point weeks. If you have an extra defense, you have one more chance of getting that really big week. Because unlike some other positions, when you look at who else goes late in draft, it's very rare that someone you take in that 18th, 19th round turns into something. Historically, it happens, but you know we all know when you're taking a team that you know when you're taking a player that late that that it's a lottery pick, right? So I've I've always been a three-defense guy, and then I changed when it came time to do pre, pre-NFL draft. I felt like there were so many questions out there, and I re-looked at the numbers that Mike Beers had, and it was over the last couple years, three defenses have been on more winning teams than two, but it's a less than 1% difference. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm – so so to make a long story short, I still think ideally three defenses are better, but it really depends on how I feel when I get to that decision. Do I feel like I've got all the running backs I need? Do I feel like I've got all the wide receivers? I almost always want three tight ends because of the, uh, the volatility at that position. I almost always just have two quarterbacks. So if right. – there, if there's if I feel like my team is strong, and I and there's nobody who's such a good value on the board that I feel that I need to take them, you know, sometimes that's the decision making. Someone's there that you feel should have went two three rounds earlier, and you're like, well, I ain't taking a defense. I'll take a seventh running back or an eighth wide receiver because this guy's just too good to pass on. Um, so if for me now, it really depends. I'm open to how my draft flows. I'm definitely always going to have two defenses. Um, but I, I, I let the decision kind of come to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think, it's, I think it's important to self-audit, you know,
0: yourself and your strengths, your weaknesses. You know, a lot of people, you know, maybe they're not as confident and maybe rightfully so in their – uh, picking defenses, um, you know, like you said, it's it's very volatile year to year. Um, with me, I, I feel like it's um, it's something I enjoy, you know, analyzing, and and I usually have pretty good, um, you know, results in comparison to the field. So I, I really feel confident in doing two, and occasionally I'll I'll do one depending on the scenario. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer you know, it just depends on your, um, your strengths and your weaknesses and, and who's there. But honestly, for me, um, I'm, I'm, I don't see a, a huge upside in taking uh, three defenses when, you know, there's, there's players I still really like in that, in that 16th, 17th, 18th, 18th round, um, you know, and for me, I have, I have a pretty, I have a pretty clear strategy usually. So, It's
1: usually a (laughs) non-negotiable, but
0: I can see why
1: people would do that. Well, and, and see that you bring up a very important point. I think, you know, when I first heard, well, three defenses are better than two. Well, you know, I went with three, but in, you know, in really looking at the numbers, if it's less than 1% difference, but, you know, between a two defense team and a three defense team, and it's, You know, chance, and we're talking over the last three years, that it's less than 1% more that three team defenses win over two. Well, then that team defense that I'm going to pick really has to be the best pick for me at that time, right? So at that point, it's not a decision on whether I want two defenses or three, it's a decision of whether I think that defense is a better choice than who I could otherwise get. Right. And, I mean,
0: there's 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 even more that goes into it because, you know, you may have drafted, like, a hyper-fragile running back, you know. Um, you may have, like, three or four running backs or something like that. Um, you know, and maybe you feel comfortable grabbing that, that last running back or something like just to, to boost that. Or, you know, there's just there's a lot of different scenarios. But with a defense, you know, you know – you know that they're not going to get hurt. Like a defense as a whole is not going to get hurt and be a scratch. You know what I mean? So I, I, I feel pretty weird burning three roster spots on a defense, you know, where, you know, running backs get injured like that. You know, they get – I mean, running backs are obviously very fragile. So having, you know, or, or tight ends, like you said, I would definitely not recommend taking two tight ends because they get – they get hurt pretty, uh, you know, they're very involved in the blocking game, in the, the middle of the field getting hit by safeties at the knees, things like that. I mean, that's a very uh, fragile position. So I don't want to burn three roster spots on a defense that, you know, is kind of limited upside as well as that they're not going to get hurt. Like I don't have to worry about them. You know what
1: I mean? So I don't really see it, but I understand why some people do. And, you know, you meant you, your logic was my original logic that I had been working on two years ago before I heard Jason Rock Phelps on the feast. And that's exactly it. Well, defenses don't get hurt. Why do I need three of them? You know, I might have an injury at running back or wide receiver. But again, I, I got to feel like that running back or wide receiver I'm going to take in the 20th round. Like for a while, it was a no-brainer. Shane Vereen was in the 20th round. I'm taking Shane Varine over, uh, over the Dolphins' defense. But again, now it's more like, well, what two defenses did I get? What five running backs or six running backs do I have? And And, 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 and I'll sum it up by saying this. I don't think statistically there's a right way or a wrong way to do it. So so use your best instincts and pick your last defense. So I think that'll wrap it up for us today, Joe. Uh, Once again, I thank you for coming on and uh, doing the pod. Yeah, Todd, thanks for having me. Uh, You know, we've we've done it, like, what is it, the fourth time now? Maybe Third or fourth. And I want to have you back on. Uh, I'd like to kind of go over that other MFL 10 article I did on supercharging. So uh maybe we'll we'll get Yan to do that. I've been so busy trying to do writing which doesn't come as natural to me. I haven't really been asking guests on. So when if when you're free and I'm free, hey, we got some topics to talk about.
0: Hey, I'll I'll always make it work like I said. I mean, I I, I took my uh, <laughs> I I traveled across a river you know, I, uh, I I got here, and you know, after hours and hours of, of trying to make it home to be on this pod, I, I'll make it happen. I wasn't as prepared as I would have liked to be, you know, I would have liked to have all my spreadsheets and, and I would have liked to have Mike Beers water on, on my right so I could have, you know, consulted with him before I answered, things like that. But, you know, I, I, I'm happy with it. And this is our, you know, this has become a, a little regular thing. So thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it.
1: No worries, and uh, again, really glad to have you on. As I always do, I will um, send this out with a song, and I'm going to pick which one I... um. All right, this is by a band called James, and it's called Getting Away With It. So uh, Andy Reid, the gangster who got away (laughs) with going to Jeremy Macklin's Wedding and then cutting his ass – oops, I'm not supposed to curse on this pod – and cutting his butt two weeks later to the uh, gangster Andy Reid. You got away with it. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening.